The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and we are back in our second half hour. We are talking about gardening, and my guest is Rebecca Warner. Her book is The Sustainable Enough Garden. Rebecca Warner is a home gardener in suburban Massachusetts with 30 years of experience working toward a sustainable garden. She blogs at the sustainable-enough-garden.blogspot.com. And in the last five years, she has overhauled her garden practices from composting to mulching, lawn care to irrigation. And again, she blogs weekly at the sustainable-garden Sorry, sustainable-enoughgarden.blogspot.com. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is really great. So, you know, I just want to say a couple of words here. Expert advice on gardening sustainability often mandates sweeping changes that most home gardeners cannot achieve. Up until now, weekend gardeners who want to apply their environmental principles had to rely on how-to books that don't fit with their busy lives. So unless you have boundless energy and unlimited time, achieving this type of sustainability can be daunting, if not elusive. And this is where Rebecca Warner's book comes in. It's an important new book. It's called The Sustainable Enough Garden, and it offers a real-world perspective for those of us who need to choose a middle path, making incremental changes as we transition to sustainable gardening. So again, welcome. Yeah, I was um, I was telling you that right before the interview that I'm very proud of my daughter who lives in the city, lives in New yeah. York, and is a big and she is in a brownstone and you know has a small space on her patio in the back, and I mean this beautiful garden has emerged, and it's you know it's flowers, it's some um, some vegetables, but mostly flowers, and I'm I'm really in awe. I, I think it's it's really special. So. Talk to us about doing this kind of thing. And, and maybe also you can address, you know, those folks that are in cities and don't have a big piece of land to work with. Yes, I think your daughter is a great example of what we all need to do, which is knowing our own garden space and right. what it can and can't do. And it sounds like she really found the right plants for the right place. Yeah. That's, that's what we're all hoping to do. I don't think we should be held back if you have a small lot or if you have a big lot. You still can take some steps towards sustainability. And most of all, you can just get to know your own outdoor space and and enjoy it. That's the main point. Mm. So where, um, I think the first question is why you decided to write the book and, and, and how you got involved in gardening to begin with. But then, you know, how... 
how you got involved and then how you said, no, I have to write all this down and share with others. Well, I started gardening with my dad when I was little. He's an excellent uh, vegetable gardener. So he taught me the, the sort of the conventional way at the time. And I finally had my own garden when I first became a homeowner. And I wanted to be an organic gardener. So at that time, I was reading Organic Gardening Magazine. I was excited about starting my own compost pile and so forth and so on. And uh, about five years ago, I read a fabulous book by Douglas Tallamy called Bringing Nature Home. That really mm. changed my perspective. His point of view is that, uh, that we need to think about our gardens as a community of all the organisms that live there. And I think up until that time, I sort of felt like there's me, the boss, and then there's the, the plants, and then the other things that are getting in my way, like the insects. Mm-hmm. Tallamy me makes us think about it differently, that those insects are really important as part of that garden community, and we have to be thinking about this as kind of a team effort. So that's when I got most interested in sustainability. And I would define it beyond organic as gardening in such a way that you're um, imitating natural processes, emphasizing cycling your materials, and avoiding waste and energy use. And so that's what I've been trying to aim for since then. Hmm. And what would be some steps that you would you would talk to people about? I mean, what are some of the big challenges in this, Rebecca? I think people can get hung up trying to make compost. I love making compost. The whole idea that you can take your garden waste or your food and your fruit and vegetable waste too, and make something really useful out of it, is great. But I think people can get stuck because they. Uh, get directions that are unrealistic. You can still see ads in magazines for composters that say you're going to make compost in 14 days. And in my experience, that just doesn't happen. So when I started out, I went out to make my compost pile. I piled up some fall leaves with some soil in between, and I thought that by next spring I was going to have compost. Well, not at all. Next spring I just had a, a bunch of matted leaves. So over time, I've learned that it just takes more time. You mm-hmm. can make compost faster if you're willing to put in more use, but you can also make compost slowly, even though you don't have a lot of time to fuss with it, just by letting it lie. In my yard in Massachusetts, that'll happen in two years. I can just pile up whatever happens, whatever I, is the waste from my yard for uh, one gardening season. Two years later, I've got really good compost. So that was one of the things I'd like to advise people to do and just um, realize that it's going to take some time. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. Another thing is um, it turns out we've all been doing a lot of digging that we didn't have to do. So Mm -hmm. actually this is a a step toward um, doing less work that's more sustainable because we were taught that in order to prepare your beds, say for your vegetables or your annual flowers, you need to turn over the soil because you're going to mix in all the good stuff that you added to the soil and also you're going to um, turn the weeds that have been growing and put them under the ground. Well, it turns out that that's just the wrong thing to do, actually, because by doing that, you're messing up that first few inches of the soil that's called 
the rhizosphere. That's where a lot of biological activity is going on. And if you leave it alone, the soil organisms are doing their thing and they are breaking down organic material and making nutrients available to your plants through the roots. It's a cooperative setup that's going on in that few inches. If you dig in there, you've destroyed the architecture that was there and you're actually working against yourself. So, and why, why do you think people do that? Because they feel that they need to? They feel they need to move the soil around? I mean, why, why, are, they, yeah, why are they instinctively think, doing that? I think that? we're going back to the idea of plowing that goes back when. I mean, when did people start plowing? Thousands of years ago. Uh, and even farmers don't have to do it that way anymore necessarily. There's a no-till farming movement as well. Um, but... I think we're applying a farm method to what to our home gardens when we don't have to. Okay. What would you um, What would you recommend to someone who wants to start gardening sustainability but feels overwhelmed? What would be some of the first simple steps? Compost would be one. Another would be uh, making your own potting mix. I I've been having a lot of fun with this recently. It turns out that all that potting mix that we buy is based on peat. And peat is um, not really something that can be harvested sustainably. It's a natural product, of course, but in peat bogs, that peat that you get at the garden center is formed at one millimeter per year. So that peat in that bag took thousands of years to develop. And it turns out that peat is a major carbon sink. Uh, so when the peat is harvested, you're releasing carbon into the atmosphere. But you don't have to do that. It turns out there's an easy way you can make your own potting mix that's kind of fun. What I do is I take um, coconut fibers, which is called coir. Mm. You can get that at um, places that specialize in hydroponic growing. It looks a lot like the peat moss, and it absorbs water like the peat moss, but it's the byproduct of um, coconut fibers that are used for textiles and stuff. So it's more sustainable, and I mix it with some of my home compost, but you could also mix it with a store-bought compost, and that makes an excellent potting mix. Yeah, so the, those are just the, the, the little tips or tricks. Now, did you just discover this by doing it and trying it, Rebecca, or did you read about it? I did read about it. I did a lot of reading. And one of my reasons, oh, you asked me, why did I write the book? And I didn't answer you. One of the reasons I wrote the book is that I felt that I would read all these books by experts and they had a lot of good advice to give, but I felt I couldn't live up to their standards. It seemed as if it was black and white. Either you were gardening conventionally and that was really bad or you were gardening sustainably and that was really good, but it, it was as if there wasn't a middle ground. And I was a home gardener. I had other work to do. I had to do what I could, but I couldn't do everything. And I felt there must be a lot of other people who are in the same situation. They, they are environmentally conscious. Being out in the garden definitely puts your attention on what's going on with the earth and gardeners are people who care a lot about the environment we'd like mm. to put our principles into action in our gardens but we can't do everything so what are the things that we could do that are sort of the low-hanging fruit the the easiest the least time-consuming things we could do first and then gradually work our way toward more sustainability 
And that's mm-hmm. what I, I wanted to tell my story to other gardeners of how I moved along that path and some of the mistakes I made and some of the things that worked and encourage other people to sort of take the same kind of a step-by-step approach. All right. And my guest is Rebecca Warner. She's a home gardener in Newton, Mass., with 30 years of experience working toward the sustainable ornamental garden. And her book is The Sustainable Enough Garden. When she's not gardening, she is a geriatric psychiatrist. So, obviously, Rebecca, you must do a lot of work on them, the plants. You must talk to them and give them therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Rebecca about her wonderful book, The Sustainable Enough Garden. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And my guest on the phone with me is Rebecca Warner. She is a home gardener in Newton, Mass., with 30 years of experience working toward a sustainable ornamental garden. When she's not gardening, 
She's a geriatric psychiatrist. Her book, The Sustainable Enough Garden, is the story of her quest to make a beautiful garden that's environmentally friendly. And in the past five years, she's overhauled her garden practices from composting to mulching to lawn care to irrigation. She blogs weekly at the sustainable-enoughgarden.blogspot.com. Welcome back, Rebecca. Hi. Okay. Um, oddball question, but, you know, as I said during the break, I think everything is connected. So yeah. my question is, how is your work as a geriatric psychiatrist, you know, helping people really understand their issues and behaviors, how is that related to what you do as a long-time gardener, an expert gardener, I might add? I, I think that's a great question. I would say the best connection I can make is that when you work with elders, you realize that somebody is embedded in a social network and a community. It's not just you, the psychiatrist, and that one patient. You've got to be thinking about their family, their neighbors, their network of providers, and so forth. And similarly, I'm learning that when I'm thinking about my garden, I have to think of it as a community, too. So maybe that's the link between the two. Mm, that it, you're not just with that one person. And particularly, you're in a community health care system, correct? That's right. So, so that would make the difference. Okay, good. I think the other question is, you know, this one is, it's, it's an issue, and it's about, you know, insects and pests that really are very problematic, like the gypsy moths. You know, I've had people say yeah. to me, I'm just having so much trouble with my garden because of that. So address that. I know. I, this is one of the reasons I named the book Sustainable Enough, because I made some decisions that aren't the purest, most sustainable decisions, and one of them was to spray for insects like that. I'm aiming for a garden that's an, an ecosystem where the different animals and insects are in balance, but there are those insects like gypsy moth, winter moth. Um, one big problem we have here is hemlock woolly adelgid, which is an insect that's killing off the native hemlocks. And they are foreign, they're um, non-native insects that don't have any enemies, any predators here. So what's supposed to happen? If, if I don't spray, I feel as if I'm going to lose some of my important plants. The most um, strictly sustainable thinking would be, well, be that as it may, the strong ones will survive, the weak ones will die. I just didn't have the heart to be quite that tough. I mm. have some plants that I just don't want to lose. So what I do is I spray for two insects, winter moth and hemlock woolly adelgid, and I'm using products that aren't the most typical pesticides. For the adelgid, you can use horticultural oil, which is applied very early in the spring, and the idea is that it suffocates the insect rather than killing, their, um, killing them chemically like most pesticides do. Pretty non-toxic to other surrounding insects and animals and pretty safe. The, for the winter moth, there's a product called Spinosad, which is a bacterial byproduct, and so you could regard it as kind of a natural uh, product. 
the fact is, when you do that, I'm, I'm happy to know that these products don't harm human beings. They don't harm other mammals. But it's, it's unavoidable that you're going to be killing some other insects when you do this spraying. And, that, and I'd rather not have to do that, but I guess I feel I'm choosing my best alternative. Mm. Okay. So, again, what you're saying is you just have to work around it. And yeah, and you, you to- try to do your best. You know, there, you want to make sure you spray at exactly the right time and that you're using the product that's the most targeted for the pest that you're dealing mm-hmm. with and isn't just killing off everything indiscriminately. Okay. What do you say to someone who says that sustainable practices don't work, they feel they have a pretty garden, and they think that they need conventional practices to keep it that way? Well, uh, I'd say... I haven't found that sustainable practices hold me back from having a pretty garden. I think if you try it, you will actually find out that some of the fertilizer and pesticides you might be using because you feel you have to turn Mm -hmm. out not to be necessary. So that's number one. The other thing I guess I would say is let's step back from our usual garden practices and think about what it is that we want. Like... um, I am not really a lawn person, but some people maintain beautiful lawns that are perfect and no weeds at all and stay green all the time. I admire that. I don't, I don't achieve it. But if you've got a lawn like that and you feel like, well, I have to have those herbicides and pesticides to keep this lawn, a question you could ask yourself would be, yes, but how much of it do I have to have? Because even if you had that beautiful jewel-like lawn, but it was half the size, that would give you a chance to have some other beds with some beautiful plants that you could Mm. grow sustainably without the chemicals and uh, still enjoy your nice lawn. So thinking about it, what, what... changes could you make without giving up everything that's important to you? Mm, Great. All right. Closing thoughts. What would you like to leave our listeners with? If they get nothing else out of this interview, what are some key things in your book, Sustainable Enough Garden? Uh, I would say if the more you learn about what's going on in your garden, the more you're going to enjoy it. If you find out about those insects and those soil organisms, if you spend time figuring out what's going on, why certain plants are working for you and others aren't, you're going to have more and more fun. And that's why we're out there gardening, to sustain our souls. So be outside and, and enjoy it. Thank you so much. Rebecca Warner, your book is a sustainable enough garden. How can people get the book? On Amazon.com. All right. And you can go to the sustainable-enough-garden.blogspot.com. Uh, to read Rebecca's blogs. And again, the book is The Sustainable Enough Garden. Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's great. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.